Behind What Lies Behind is a series of podcasts that ask what lies behind, what we say and do, how we think and behave, whether it's obvious, falsely obvious, common sense notions, inherited echoes we mightn't be aware of, and seeks to risk, surprise and challenge the givens, and draws attention to the trampoline of language. Hello, I'm Wolfgang. Um, What Lies Behind to Me is a chance to explore the questions we're going to raise through a creative lens. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do as we traverse this intrepid landscape we find ourselves in when asking these questions. Okay, um, and I'm Donald Carroll from Critical Difference, and we want to start in What Lies Behind Conversations That Matter. Now, there's some common features I'll illustrate in a minute, and some longer features. The longer feature this week is disordering, but the shorter ones are Word of the Week, for example. So, well, not a waffle. Word of the Week. What is your Word of the Week, Wolfgang? My Word of the Week, Don, is two words pushed together. It's a reference to one of my favourite films growing up. And I'm pretty sure people who were born in the 90s, like myself, and maybe a bit before, would remember this reference from the film Donnie Darko. And that word is Celador. They referenced in the film that this combination of words, cellador, is the most beautiful in the English language. Now, you know, that I think that's a little bit up for grabs, but according to the study of phonesthetics, uh, there it is. Cellador. Cellador. Well, I'm going to believe Wolfgang in case he pushes me down into a cellador or something, <laughs> but um, okay. Uh, my word of the week is. An advertisement that recently came through the door for um, takeaway food, which was um, plant-based recipe kits, all flavour, no faff. Sounds good, doesn't it? Except the name of this company was Grubby. Do you think that'll sell? Grubby? Okay. And another word of the week comes from my own country, Ireland, which is duffed up. Have you ever been duffed up, Wolfgang? Probably more times than I can care to remember. <laughs> How about yourself? <laughs> duffed up, yeah, being duffed up. Um, duffed up is colonial language. It comes from the behaviour of the British Army in my own country, in this instance during the War of Independence, uh, roughly 100 years ago. And it was the behaviour of a, a British Army group called the Black and Tans who did random killings, destroying villages, looting and so on, completely unaccountable. But they were led by a man called Douglas Duff, and they had permission to duff anybody up, including killing them. And this re-emerged in uh, Palestine in the 30s, where people were duffed up as well. And and indeed, 50 years later, during the so-called Troubles more later in West Belfast, because this particular period is the anniversary of the New Lodge 6 massacre, where such behaviour continued. So we're looking at what um, what words you might think are worth us paying attention to. Now, another feature that we're going to have is um, Leader of the Week. Mine is another Irish example. It's John Joseph Gill, um, the tale of the immigrants who are forgotten. And he was a labourer in Birmingham. He died recently and he wrote this poem. I know your streets aren't paved with gold because I laid them in the rain and cold. I worked like a donkey, a Trojan, a slave. I paid my way here. I earned my grave. So those for the 
unshiny leaders and the more leaders you can think of who are shiny or otherwise, um, let us know. Now, another feature we have is noticing of the week. So, Wolfgang, what have you noticed? Well, what I've noticed this week, and this actually extends beyond this week, is how ideas expressed through language and how they are accepted shift through time. So the particular instance I'm referring to, which I noticed this week, I'm not going to go into the particulars of, but let's say a big powerhouse media came out with uh, a headline and said, this is what happened. And some time ago, if you had said, I think this is what happened, you would be deleted out of existence. So the question I'm asking is how can we, as a collective society, approach the challenges we face and find the truth in the middle of the mess somewhere. Oh, right. OK. Well, my noticing the week was when I was on a train just before Christmas going, going north out of St Pancras and a woman got on behind and she was talking very quietly to her friend. She was about 60, I guess. And she was saying, in relation to my Christmas visit, it went well because I didn't say anything wrong. And I thought, wow, you know, is wrong the right word? Did you go and have your festive uh, parties? Did you say anything wrong? What would that be? What did you notice, in other words? Well, it's interesting you say that because it relates to what I was talking about earlier, about how the acceptance of ideas expressed through language can change and what wasn't acceptable is now acceptable or vice versa. And so... I think we all need to get more comfortable with having difficult, uncomfortable conversations in good faith. OK, so the main feature in this edition of What Lies Behind is disordering. Um, let me explain that. Years ago, I worked in the alternative comedy circuit before the biggest risk of attending a comedy gig was getting irony poisoning. So our, some of the acts I remember was a strong first act, a woman called Pauline Melville. And she came on stage and quieted the audience by saying, here's two of the biggest lies I've ever heard. One, your gyro's in the post. And two, I won't come in your mouth. <laughs> and this was brought up at the end, the, the, the bottom of the bill, but always the strongest act, was a guy called Tony Allen, who continually berated the audience. He, he used to say things like, can't you all laugh? At the same time, he said, there's too much disorderly laughing. And they all laughed at the same time. So in this podcast, we want to link lies and disorder. And we're claiming that much of the time, um, lies work by disordering the language. So we have some examples of categories of language here, but they all interlink and you can um, make, up, make up your own. The first one is laundering language. Any examples there? So my example of laundering language is when our leaders are incapable of taking any responsibility or accountability. They'll be asked very straightforward questions and do anything possible linguistically to evade giving a straightforward answer, such as, Mr. Mrs. Whoever person, did you open this door? No, I didn't open the door. It was a, a mechanical lever attached to a plank of wood set in by a frame. But no, I didn't open a door. <gasps> it's not a door, but its IQ is bigger than mine, yes. Um, laundering language. OK, here's some examples. I misspoke, not I lied. We have alternative facts, not we lied. My truth is self-lying. 
Do you want to smell iconic, not like cheap sweets? Um, these are as true, true, as sure as I am a fairy liquid consultant. So let's have a look at another category, which is word inflation. And this is to falsely enlarge something, seemingly unaware that this devalues it. Yeah, I mean, um, we might ask the audience, do they know people who aren't geniuses? Because they might be the real geniuses now. <clears throat> we can convolute that. So here's some examples. Um, awesome on a game show knowing your name. Brilliant on a quiz show knowing Paris is the capital of France. Um, wonderful online having a credit card. Uh, the boy did brilliantly well. Thank you, Lee Dixon, football commentator. Um, or when somebody or staff tells a customer, do this, 